0: Previously on The Adventure Zone. The vision that you see is a meteor, and it is coming at you faster and faster. My planet, it too was connected to another place, far flung from our own world. Like your world, ours became tethered. And the interpreter turns back to face you and gives you a, a little bow, and she says, Again, my sincere apologies. I wish she'd stop coming here. It's her world's fault that Sylvain's dying in the first place. And the words you just heard did not match up to the mouth movements that she made. This man laughs, and he points at Ned on a television screen, and he says, I know that, bloke. Unfortunately, my time here has come to an end. Can you take this goat
1: man with you? Take him far away from here and leave him somewhere where he's not going to do any more harm.
0: You can tell this is a cottonwood tree. What can it do? This bough starts to split in half longwise it is like it is tearing itself in half it releases these spores you hear a cracking sound an old dead pine tree has snapped and is falling right towards you had a bit of a cliffhanger ending in the last episode what with the tree falling over on ned and billy but with your permission dad uh i want to jump in sort of in media res uh to kind of that parlor room scene you you had a very successful role and so it felt weird to be like yeah that's right you investigated so good here's a fucking tree (laughs) um so we'll say there was you and billy saved each other you both pushed each other out of the way it was very very heroic um, what well, can we you know, do? Wait, saved each other like spiritually, Griffin, do you think? Like they found each other and like they made each other whole again? Yeah, they knocked each other out of the way, and then as they were laying in the snow, they were like, Do you do you take the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into your uh, uh We have to act it out. We don't want one of those cheap cliffhanger resolutions. Alright, let's act it out. Crack. Okay.
2: Uh, Look yeah. out, Billy! Maybe Yikes. Can I say, that was
1: thrilling. I actually, yeah, I'm glad I, that we did I'm, that.
0: I'm, yeah, Put geez. some
1: folium there and some. Trust uh, my dramatic like, oh, senses.
0: For sure, so Scott, th-
1: the three got Scott Foley in there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the three of you are uh, sitting in the Pine Guard HQ with Barclay and Mama. Uh, all around a table in the center of, of your space down there. Uh, there are some maps and books sort of spread out across the table that Barclay has brought down from from Mama's office. Uh, and you are all reconvening after your investigation. And, uh, Ned, you're probably still a little out of breath from uh, escaping the forest. I think this, like, just happened. Um, and I want to do, like, the, the parlor room scene of you all summarizing what you've learned and coming up with the... Uh, the plan of attack. One order of business, though, before we do that. Ned, after you escaped the woods and everybody got back together to sort of uh, come up with a plan, what? where's Billy? What did you do with Billy? Um, Billy is uh, going to stay at the Cryptonomica. Okay. Um, uh, it, just, just... it just felt
2: right. I, I, I've given him, like, a little uh, jumper, a custodian's, you know, coveralls thing, and it's got his name on it. Uh, okay. How did you do that so quickly? Uh, Kirby. It, was, it was used. I got it at the Goodwill. Kirby was so like you. Found,
1: wait, hold on. You found an embroidered jumpsuit from someone named Billy
0: that had put their, their jumpsuit in. Yeah, that's a pretty the common person. name.
1: It's a pretty common name. I mean, I guess. guess.
0: Uh, I imagine Kirby was very confused when you dropped off this Ryan Gosling at the yeah, store. but he's a
2: huge Gosling fan. So okay. it really worked out. I mean, he's as close as he's going to get. Kirby, Ryan Gosling got hit on the head
1: really hard and can only say pizza and duck. (laughs) You're going to need to take care of him.
0: We're in a full-blown overboard situation. Uh, okay, uh, that's that's fine. So, uh, Mama is standing over the table. She's still on uh, crutches, sort of recovering from the injuries that she sustained while she was uh, exploring Sylvain uh, last arc. Uh, she's also got a cold, it, it seems like. She's, uh, she's doing a lot of hacking and sneezing, uh, but she's trying to keep it together as you all sort of uh, wrap up this hunt. And Mama says, all right, I uh, admit, I've been a, a little out of the loop on this one. So we got something's causing deadly accidents all around Kepler. What do we What do we know?
1: It has to do with like not just accidents, but like changing the future. I don't know how much you know about the multiverse, Mama, but um, I know more than you would believe. Somebody get a whiteboard in here. Okay, so every decision we make, spiderweb, 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 explanation, 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 and hey, that's what's going let's on. Let's just sit down. Everybody sit down, watch this DVD of The Butterfly Effect. <laughs> <Yeah. For one laughs>
0: it's, it's Ashton now, Kutcher's magnum opus. Now Are we doing that? Uh, you, yeah, yeah. You take a break to watch the whole movie, The Butterfly Effect. It is not as good as you remember, and you don't remember it being great. Shh. All right, everybody. Now listen.
1: This isn't important, but if y'all do want to follow it up with Butterfly Effect Two or B Two, as we in the you just leave the effects
0: letter off of it. What? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: B E makes B. Oh, I got so you. B B E to B Two. Got you. So B Two. Uh, none of the returning uh, sort of performers uh, are in this one, but uh, oh, they couldn't better. even get Ethan Subley? He's still good. Here's a great thing. Here's the best thing about Butterfly Effect Two. It is better than Butterfly Effect 3 Revelations. So you can- okay. uh, There's a third one. Uh, Damn. That is, is a
0: high high praise, high praise. Okay, but do we know what this thing is? The movie? The thing that's changing, that's caused. I need everybody to sort of focus up. We are talking about a thing that has killed people.
2: There is a very large tree. And as it grows, it changes the future. Every time a a branch shoots off from this tree, it's a different timeline. And I think it's using that to create all these new timelines. You know, when we say it out loud, like
1: we fought a giant thing that had like incorporated a bunch of different animals into it. And like a watered spirit that like could be anywhere there was
0: water. And this is a tree. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just a tree. Let's why don't y'all go nip this in the. I mean, do we yeah. know? Do we know where it is? Nip it in the bud. Finish this. Nip ends, it in. Uh-huh. The, I just saw what it, where it was going, and I didn't want to. I want to kill this <laughs> thing, and I knew if I went down that road, it'd be it another happened, fifteen minutes. at you tree joke. Feel ashamed of that. All right. Well, uh, we, do we know where it is, though?
2: Yes, I uh, have the location, courtesy of my friend Billy, and I'm sure if if
0: he if we just followed the tracks of the snowcat, we'll be able to get back to it. Now, wait a minute. Who's Who's Billy? Did you tell somebody else about what we do here? Ned? Ah, shit.
1: God damn it, Ned. Damn it.
0: God damn
1: it. All right, listen. Well, this one's my fuck up, so I I guess I'll just... Let me own this one so Ned doesn't get us any deeper. Um, So I rescued... The plant has some goats that work for it, like professional goats and business goats business goats and I I uh I saved one of their lives um and then became very sort of spiritually indebted to me and then Aubrey made it talk yeah that that one's on me that one's on Aubrey for sure she made it talk sort of but it's like it's not a mon. it's like it's chill I
0: guess that's yeah. what I'm trying to get across. On it's a scale like,
1: of one to ten, I think we've established it's like an eight.
0: Yeah, it's just like, it's really chill. Uh, this whole that's- this whole time you're saying this, Barclay is like standing behind Mama and making just a grim face and like shaking his head. No, like, what are you doing? Uh, and sure enough, Mama is sort of s- stunned. Like literally mouth agape listening to what you're saying. She says, you save one of these things? You brought... You brought one of these things back to Amnesty Lodge. I knew you wouldn't understand. Um, no, I I understand real good, Duck. I I, I understand what you've <laughs> what you've done. You have you have violated the safety of of this place that I've worked so hard to protect. You have befriended an abomination, Duck. No, I,
1: Mama, if I may, it, I know how it sounds. All kind of laid out like this. But it happened, like, in sequence. It was the kind of thing of, like, the thing was injured. Duck brought it back here to question it, to find out what was going on. Like, yeah. had it chained down. We couldn't talk to it because it didn't understand English. And so, like, that's why I made it
0: talk. And now your best then, now your best buddy's going to come to your Christmas party. Is that, what you're, is that what you're telling me?
1: Well, he's helped. We wouldn't have found the tree without him. We wouldn't. Yeah. Well, he helped us fight off
2: other bad Creatures, so like, and you know what, bad creatures. You know, Mama, you basically run a hostel for Sasquatches and vampires. Oh, she is not.
0: She is not having any. She pounds her fucking fist on the table. She says, "Ned, they are." The abominations aren't—they are different from the the people who have found their way over here from Sylvain. Do you get that? These the abominations—I've been fighting them a lot longer than y'all. They don't just deal in claws and fangs and knives. They—they they can get in your head. This thing is trying to worm its way into your your inner circle so that when you're most vulnerable, he can he can take you out. I this thing—they are capable of playing mental games too, and you all are just playing it fast and loose with it. He mostly just says pizza. Yeah, he only. I'm says not pizza really worried. And duck, and he yeah. has helped
1: us quite a bit. I'm not super worried about his mental acuity.
0: Do you want to? Hey, Mama, do you want to talk to him? Uh, yeah, why don't you bring him around, and I'll have myself a nice chat with your friend. Now I under that. Listen, I'm
1: I'm no dunce. That that's you're going to kill him. <laughs> I I nice try. Uh, listen, he's safely stored somewhere can we focus on this mean tree
0: and then move on from there she says um we are going to need to do and as she's talking there's a a a knock at the uh, cellar door uh and you hear jake Kool ice shouting from outside and he says uh hey uh mama uh everyone you're you're gonna want to come see this uh, and uh, he, he opens up the door and Mama kind of like sighs and uh, looks down for a bit and then uh, follows Barclay up and uh, up the stairs and out of the, the pine guard haven. Do you all follow, or I assume so. Yeah. This is my least favorite part of playing role-playing games. Um, you, <laughs> No, you know what? We stay in the basement yeah, exactly. and let the action unfold outside. Uh, <laughs> you all emerge from the cellar, and you see just an assembly of Amnesty Lodge residents uh, standing on the porch. There's uh, Danny and Moira and Agent Stern. Uh, they are all just sort of observing the scene outside. The, the cottonwood snow that you sort of discovered, Ned, uh, that has sort of fallen every time that there's been one of these accidents. It is falling in sheets and it is not just, it's not just localized in your immediate vicinity either as it kind of has been uh, when, whenever these these accidents have happened. Through the trees lining the access road out to like the main drag of Cliffside and then, you know, looking over the precipice of the cliff down into the the heart of Kepler. This false snow is just everywhere. It is all over Kepler. And mama says if if this is following the pattern, that means something big is about to happen and we have no idea what it's going to be.
1: Well, listen, let's get in the fucking truck and let's go kill this tree yep. before it's got a chance to do anything. I'm I'm fully on board with that. I have a um a suspicion, I would say, from talking to Juno I think that you all ever heard like copper in a tree can can kill it like even like a single copper nail uh in in a tree can can kill it.
0: I didn't think that was actually true.
1: Well, I didn't think Bigfoot existed, but here we are, huh? <laughs> it doesn't Now in the in like our in our sort of understanding of things like in the i mean i i'm i'm a forest ranger right it does it doesn't it. it's a you legend are? but like yeah okay the legends i mean there's a lot of legends we found out in in the past few months been true so i i i think that this thing might buy by those rules they had to come from somewhere right and if it didn't come from reality where, where might it have come from so just to if i may extrapolate here what you're saying, Duck, is that we need to take a hammer and a nail and just walk up to the tree and hammer a nail into it. Uh, yeah. I Now that you say it kind of with that, a little bit of that tone, it does, it's a little, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But, um, Then again, I, I guess, you know, that I say it, what are we worried about, the tree running away while we try to do it? <laughs> like, okay, um, maybe. I mean, I guess we try that, and I mean, like, I wish I had a bigger copper or something. That's my dream, is like a copper nail gun,
2: or um... I, You know, I've got nail guns at the Cryptonomica from where we've been building all the sets for, you know, Saturday Night Dead. Okay,
0: that now is you, um that's sound- that that's a very handy. Co- I would say you have nail gun <laughs> in I don't know that you have five nail guns <laughs> for uh. Well, for that'll the, cover the me. You, Good. Yeah.
1: I and when I say nail gun, I don't actually. The problem with nail guns, y'all, is that it's not like it's not like Home Alone taught us. Nail guns don't really like pull the trigger and they fire a nail well across a room. Right. Hold on. Actually, um you know i did some high school theater that should be surprising to no one and uh there's some there's some workarounds for that that you can some do mods yeah it's not great you but know, <laughs> can- as far as like danger goes but you can you can uh, trick those safeties.
2: Yeah, and and not only that, but I I can. This one does do that because Kirby has well a rather unusual butt cheek wound that would probably come from us horsing around with the nail. Gun. Having a nail fight <laughs> with your employee Kirby. <laughs> To pull back
1: the curtain for everyone at home, I just gave an explanation of how we could rig it. But Dad was insistent that he wanted to give Kirby a butt wound. Yeah, with a nail <laughs> fight he did. Okay. All right, here's the plan. I picked up a bunch of nails uh, from when I went to visit Juno. We'll go grab the nail gun from Ned's place. It, we'll try the nail gun. I'm having a hard time imagining it working, but like, let's give it a shot backup plan i have a sword that i think would love to do a little paul bunyan action uh so we could give that a try if all else fails and then aubrey's got magic got so, the fire
2: yeah. she's got the fire
1: well we're not going to be using any fire uh thanks very much well, wait, well, wait, wait, i can wait, wait. don't tie our I hands. i can control it. I'm, i'll tie our hands we're not going to be tossing around a bunch of fireballs in a fucking forest guys sorry they do re- revoke your license for that as a forest <laughs> ranger if you bring a magic person to light trees on fire guys well the, okay. okay last resort maybe no god no listen that's not it's no resort not applicable i have to go to work tomorrow <laughs> all right no way okay we'll call it plan z there's plan no that's it no z2 Yeah. Yeah. Besides, there's like other things that can kill trees, right? It doesn't have to be the one thing that also sets other cool ass trees on fire. <laughs> Got it. All right. Got it. I won't unless I absolutely have to. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out.
0: All right. Regulators mount up. Um, you swing by Kryptonomica. You grab the nail gun. Do you also grab Billy while you are there, or uh, are you leaving him, uh, in the in the safety of the Kryptonomica? <sighs> up up to you. On the
1: one hand, I would appreciate the help, but on the other hand, this tree seems to have some kind of sway over the goat people, and I don't wanna have to fight Billy.
0: Yeah, mm, yeah, I don't wanna bring Billy. Okay, uh, you all leave Billy behind. He, he looks at you, actually, as you swing by and um, kinda cocks his head as he sees you leaving without him, and he goes, Duck. Uh, pizza. We'll pizza right back. <laughs> he, he
1: nods solemnly in complete understanding. <laughs> of course. I leave him a 20 in case he wants to order some pizza. <laughs> Can you imagine that conversation? Uh, hello, this is Domino's. Pizza! Okay, good. What kind of duck? You want duck pizza?
2: That's foul. No way. We don't sell that. Pizza! foul. That's foul. I get it.
1: That's foul, foul. He oh, says.
2: Great, great. good. Kir- um, Kirby, uh, show him a movie. Show him one of his own movies. We Kirby- got BE-2 all loaded
0: up in there. <laughs> Already if you look at <laughs> says out, Kirby boy, says, oh, fuck yeah, BE-2, that's my favorite. I'm it's sorry. way better than BE-3. We've, we've done a couple hunts now, um, and this is sort of a different like uh, approach right because you all this thing's not moving it is a tree you know where it is it is not like you're trying to lure it somewhere and then like get the drop on it so it can't escape it's not going to escape it's a fucking tree um so i guess like this is a different kind of advantage for you all like what is your what is your approach uh as you all make your way into the forest ned you have no problem following the tracks of the snow cat uh what what's like your what's your strategy as you make your way into this sort of encounter we need to come from upwind
2: because they can smell fear. Um, I think we're taking it real
1: careful. We know where it is, and I'm not saying we're like crawling,
0: but we're not taking a lot of unnecessary risks uh, getting to it. Uh, Do you want to, why don't you read a bad situation, right? Like that sounds like what you are describing here.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Uh, and that is a roll of what rolls against read about uh, sharp sharp. Nice, Jesus, damn! That is a twelve. You all are on a hot streak. I hope that it does not end when you are crossing swords with this big tree. Uh, Oh, no, I spoiled the fact that they have so many swords. Uh, Okay, so uh, on a 10+, you hold three. Holy shit. Uh, You get to ask three questions, and every time you act on the answers, you get plus one ongoing while the information is relevant. Uh, What's my best way in? What's my best way out? Are there dangers we haven't noticed? What's the biggest threat? What's most vulnerable to me? And what's the best way to protect the victims?
1: Well, let's see which ones I can answer for uh, our... In and out, I don't know. Dangerous, we haven't noticed, I don't know. Biggest threat, the tree, I guess. What's most vulnerable to me? The tree. (laughs) What's the best way to protect the victims? I don't think there are victims. So, um, I will say, what's the best way in? Uh,
0: As you approach the tree, you do sort of get a lay of the land, you see, first you see the injured goat man, the one that Aubrey sort of flung into a tree and uh, just just really messed him up. Uh, he is, and, and Ned, you saw this this goat man sort of crawling around when uh, you first found the tree. Right now, he is laying among the roots of the of the tree. the The tree is sort of growing out of this like gnarled dome of roots. It seems like it is like semi absorbed. Into the roots, like he is—he has just been sort of sucked into them, uh, and he is not moving. Who the goat person? The goat person, yes. Okay. You also see—you would just see this. I don't—I don't necessarily think that you need a question for this. You see another goat man. He is holding on with both hands to a chain and dragging something through the snow. And you see that what he is dragging through the snow. Is Indrid Cold, uh, who is bound up in this chain, uh, and the goat, the Mothman, the Mothman, and uh, this this Goatman, Shovel Goatman, uh, brings uh, Indrid over uh, also to the roots of the tree. Sort of ties the chain around one of the roots and secures him. Uh, Indrid is uh, got a black eye. Uh, his hair is matted a bit. You can see a little bit of, of blood there, uh, but otherwise, like he is just kind of staring calmly into the middle distance. As you sort of get the lay of the land, right, you see these two other, other goatmen. men. Uh, Duck, I think you get the, like, line you can come at this clearing from, where they're not necessarily going to see you as you make your first approach. So that's that's what I will give you for Best Way In.
2: Has Indrid got his glasses on?
0: <laughs> uh, yes. Indrid has his glasses on. Okay. Well, I'm asking, because if he... I was wondering if he was in Mothman. If he was, and or... he would be in Mothman. Yeah, he's not. He's got his glasses on.
2: Okay. Um... We have to
0: save the Mothman. Yes. Yeah,
1: that's a whole tourism ministry right there for Point Pleasant. Yeah. I, I won't let it go down the tubes. Uh, my next question is, we don't want it to become Point So-So. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, how do I help the victims?
0: You realize like, the chain is not like padlocked or anything like that. Uh, the best way for you to uh, protect the victim uh, would simply be to put yourself between uh, him and the Goatman. Both of the Goatman's, like, instruments, the shovel and the shears, are are, are still there. The be- The best way to protect these, uh, to, to protect Indrid, is to, you know, release him and keep the attention off of him uh, so that the uh, Goatman don't go after him. Okay.
1: Lastly, what's the biggest threat?
0: This is a tough one. That's what I figured. Um... There so this thing like splits off its branches and uh, every time it does so it like shoots out these spores and again like it it splits off in these like symmetrical patterns and right now you see like you see trees uh, you, you know duck knows a tree. Uh, this one, Thank you. There's a knows trees. There's a lot of unusual things about this tree, but like by far the strangest thing about it is it has started to almost split in half entirely. It's a, it's a it's a very tall tree, so there's you know like a, a good ten feet of trunk, and then above that it seems like the the rest of the trunk has started to just like peel away. Uh, it's it's two halves have just peeled away from each other, and in that gap, just spores are shooting up like crazy. It looks like a snow machine, and as it as it has done so, like the rest of the branches have have fanned out completely, uh, and it, it's almost like it is forming just like a perfect circle of of branches and black leaves uh, all all around the tree. That is uh-huh. by f- you you I think you duck in particular you see that and know that it is extremely bad
1: ah shit all right listen guys i've had a lot of insights in the past no seconds (laughs) and uh (laughs) i'm 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 well prepared to dole out a plan here's what i'm thinking ned you take care of the tree get the nail gun uh uh blast it blaze it with the nails okay
2: okay fire
1: good uh from from the
2: cover of the brush
1: probably i think uh you know. i mean if you think you're a good enough shot there pick yeah, i, I think go it's for it. worth the risk yeah all right aubrey i want you to take care of the spores okay does that make sense you think you can handle that it seems like that would be a good thing it's something you'd be good at disrupting sure yeah okay all right i'm gonna i'm gonna rescue the mothman Okay, and that's, I'm, a, that's I'm a and maybe they'll rename Point Pleasant after me. And point my
0: Ducktown, Point <laughs> duck duck, Pleasant, Point New Pleasant Duck. Uh, probably Duckburg. Thank you. <laughs> Fair. Okay, who's uh who uh, are you doing these like things simultaneously? Or are you trying to like get the just dis- what's what? Nah, this we're is- gonna do them as soon as I say go. Okay, go. <laughs> All right, It'll be uh,
1: quiet. So you can get a stealthy approach if possible.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think you can all get a stealthy approach. Ned, are you really hiding in the brush and going to try and take pot shots at this thing with your copper nails, or was that a goof about how cowardly you are?
2: It is kind of how cowardly, but he realizes he's at some point he's going to have to emerge into the open and start
0: shooting away at it. Uh, I like that, Ned. Okay, you are. What's how close you get into this thing? Are you are you taking the stealth approach uh, through this like route that uh, Duck discovered?
2: Well, it's not like it has eyes, right? So, you know, assuming it can't see me is not a good idea. There are two gunmen gonna... that could ostensibly oh, see you. Right. Oh, what the hell! I, I'm gonna get within about ten feet of the of the trunk of the big trunk. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Then act under pressure. Act under pressure. That would be cool. And would that be. would be cool.
0: be cool. It would be cool if you got a good role here.
1: Kofi did with a lot of add a lot of preamble. Pacha oh, Pacha.
0: Yeah, uh Ned got a six. However, because you were on you were you know, following this uh sneaky path that uh Duck pulled out for you, and uh, you you have not been sort of discovered, uh, you get a plus one on that, which brings it up to a seven. So it is a mixed success. It is a mixed success. Uh I will give you a um price to pay. You walk towards this thing and you start, uh, you, you said you were peppering it. You're just like rapid rapid firing some let's nails to the side of it. Let's see
2: what one nail does because Duck did say one nail would do it. So let's see what one nail does before I start just holding the trigger
0: down. Okay. You fire a nail off and you are definitely close enough that it does not have a problem connecting with the tree it, uh, it you see it sort of jam into the tree the whole scene is sort of uh, covered in moonlight right it's always close to full moon whenever you guys are doing this uh, and you see the nail go into the tree and as as the nail uh, sticks into the tree you see it just instantly sort of reflexively start shuddering and
2: it worked I'll be damned
0: <laughs> as it does so you hear this really loud and very unsettling rattling noise coming from the tree. Uh, and now Hell like
1: yeah, this- yeah, Ned, you nailed, oh, nailed it, man. I was, we
0: win. And you see the bark on the trunk sort of around where the nail went in. It just like starts to crack and oh, uh, nice, fall man. apart. And it uh, the, this, this huge chunk of bark uh, just sort of sloughs off the side of the tree. Uh, And a a fairly small branch just, like, snaps in half. And as you pull the trigger this time, the nail gun is jammed.
1: What? God. (laughs) Dip.
0: And now I I think everybody kind of, uh, the the scene knows that you all are there. However, you all establish that these things are trying to kind of happen simultaneously. So, um, Aubrey or Duck, who wants to go next? Well, Duck has said, and I'm not allowed to use fire. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I am going to use magic,
0: okay, to accomplish what
1: don't know yet. I mean, I have a thing that's trap a specific person, minion or
0: monster. I would give you that, yeah, yeah, for sure I mean this is this is part of the monster's effect. I think okay. this is like it's a tree, so it's pretty fucking trapped already, so like this is how it is affecting the world. I think that that would totally apply here,
1: okay, uh Aubrey whispers, I would like to contain the spores. And like, <laughs> you hear a voice
0: say, that's a weird one, man. Okay.
1: I know. Listen, I know.
0: Uh, You don't actually hear that. Okay. So oh. uh, I guess role play, are, are you doing this with, you, you have to tell me like what that actually looks like before we like try to roll and like, what? how are so, you trying to contain the spores?
1: Like I've done wind before. Sure. And so I think I'm trying to like create some kind of like. The wind is blowing them back
0: to the tree. Uh, yeah. Okay. You you, you can like sort of creating a like whirlwind that traps them around around the tree. Yeah. So they okay. Yeah, that's cool. A
1: swirl rather than it like blowing out into the world. For sure. I
0: like that. Okay. And do I get one forward because of our sneaky plan? Uh, n- no. You get one forward because of Duck identifying uh, that the okay, sports great. are super well, dangerous. I'm
1: just putting that into the roll. Okay. So I just wanted you to
0: know. All right. Let's see. All right. That's a nine. Uh, nine is a mixed success. It's going to have a glitch. Uh, the effect is weakened. It's of short duration. You take one harm, ignore armor. Uh, it draws immediate unwelcome attention or it has a problematic side effect. Uh, let's go with problematic side effects. Um, okay. Uh, you create this whirlwind and the spores that uh, we we're, were shooting out of the the huge uh, rift in the middle of the tree and also the spores that have started to like just sort of emanate out of it as uh, Ned shoots the nail into it. Uh, They do start to swirl around the tree. It's like it's creating like a uh, localized like snow globe effect, like right where you are. Uh, As a side effect, the tree is now going to be harder to uh, attack at range just because it is like it is sort of shrouded in this uh, this seed storm, Uh, which brings us to duck. Hey, injured, are you with us? Uh, uh, there is a goat man like right there with injured. I think before you can, is he looking at injured or what's? Yeah, it going? he definitely has his back to you. I am going
1: to pull out beacon and
0: attack the the chain that's binding injured. Uh, okay. And there is a goat man who's like right there. So if you like do this and don't do anything with the goat man, the goat man is gonna. Is going to get you. Yeah, that's fine. I okay. I need I need one actions worth of, of things to do. I feel you. Uh, then this is going to be an act under pressure because you are. Th- there is pressure in the form of this uh, enemy goat.
1: Okay, this, so that is cool. And am I act? Uh, I'm gonna get myself a plus one on this. Yes, because, because you identified I'm how to on save the information. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh God, it's still just an eight. Uh, okay. This is a hard choice I'm going to give you. Okay. You get the drop on uh, the Goatman uh, as, as he's watching over Indrid uh, after having just sort of tied him up to the roots. All that the, the Goatman sees is your shadow as you lift Beacon up over your head. And as you are sort of frozen in this moment, you recall a memory. duck you are 18 again um it it's been several months since minerva, minerva uh, first appeared to you that that night awakening you with this vision of a of a house fire and this apocalyptic uh, firestorm outside um and since then you have uh, rebuffed her offers of power and uh, a, a heroic destiny um, and in, in this memory it's nighttime and you are in the abandoned closed down clothing retailer altizers uh, your friends have cleared the floor in the main showroom and set up like an audience of beat up mannequins as you and your friends play field hockey in the store uh, juno divine your your current co-worker is there uh, and she is she's playing goalie uh, defending a goal that's sort of posted up in the men's casual wear department, um, and is it is it like a fairly big group of friends? You described this scene uh, in in the last episode, and I'm I'm wondering like how how rowdy it got.
1: I mean, we have close we have close friends, but it's more of like a hangout where like a lot of people sort of know that it's there. You know okay. what I mean? It's sort of like a de facto hang. A little
0: roundhouse situation, but Thank with you, yes. drugs and hockey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, and I like by that.
1: the way. Roundhouse did have plenty of drugs in hockey. It was just behind the scenes.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Uh, okay, you are breaking away towards Juno, uh, and uh, she is is trying to defend your shot, and she says, uh, well, shit, duck, are you ever gonna use that stick to take a shot, or are you just planning on doing the foxtrot with it all night?
1: Well, Juno, I was planning on shoving it up your ass, but I guess uh, if I have to make a choice, and I slap the ball into the net. And it's the most amazing shot. (laughs) (laughs) The mannequins come to life and applaud. Um, And one of those mannequins goes on to write um, Mighty Ducks and includes the slouch shot in it based
0: on what they saw that night. They're all Kim Cattrall. Okay. Uh, Juno looks sort of disappointed uh, and then like takes her gloves off and like pulls a a cigarette out from behind her ear and lights it up. Because you're all a bunch of uh, you know rowdy bad kids. Yeah. Um. As you turn around to sort of like accept your accolades from uh, from the other players, uh, Minerva is just like right, right in your face, just inches inches in front of you. <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, 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 uh. Juno like sort of exhales and uh, says, "You're you're right there, Duck."
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about how much I love the
0: offspring, and I got really excited. <laughs> Uh, Minerva says, "Duck Newton, participating in a bit of competitive recreation, I see. This could serve you well. It could develop your agility as you square off against your foe in a melee." Um <laughs> uh and I just nod. It's <laughs> not. Mm-hmm. She says, "She says, mm-hmm. Duck Newton, please do not ignore me. Tonight is an auspicious occasion. I require your undivided attention."
1: Hey, I'm going to go take a leak, y'all be right back. and i'll go i'll go into uh where we always uh where everybody takes a leak and that's in the the former housewares department and like everybody takes leaks here (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Jesus. As I'm saying,
0: I realize as I'm saying it, it's, it's the worst, the most horrible. Oh, uh, you know
1: what? Thought. Actually, there are probably bathrooms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, you can't retcon it. You're <laughs> taking a just like Griffin, of on course the f- are
1: bathrooms
0: on the floor. Does the
1: housewares department have
0: like display toilets that's, for that's sale? That you the jokes, but you guys,
1: but there probably are bathrooms. You're there. bad kids. <laughs>
0: you're peeing on the floor like a bunch of dogs. Um, <laughs> you are doing that, and Minerva says, "Oh, I." I will. I will give you some privacy, um, as as you are uh, just sort of pissing on the on the no, floor like a need house to actually cat.
1: Piss. I was just trying to get away from them. Uh-oh, it was okay. subterfuge. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay. You're not pissing, but it's everywhere. And uh, Minerva <laughs> Minerva says, "I'm sorry to interrupt. It seemed like you were having a, a jovial time."
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to like fucking chill. What's up?
0: Uh, I told you. No, I'm not interested. Move on. She says, I I understand that, but I have one last offer for you. Uh, And outside of the store, uh, I think everybody inside the shop like kind of freezes as headlights uh, creep across the the drawn blinds of the store. uh, And you hear a vehicle come to a stop just outside uh, of where you are. And you hear Juno actually shout from the other room. She's like, oh, shit, it's the cops. Everybody get down. And you hear a car door open, and you hear uh, footsteps coming out of the vehicle, and you hear this, like, faint sort of metallic crunching noise, and then you hear someone sort of exhale a deep sigh, uh, and Minerva says, uh, Duck Newton, it would behoove you to go outside before any of your friends are able to see what's happening out there. Wow, what's happening? You'll see. She's, like, so, like, pumped. Uh, She's, like, so excited. God damn it. All right fine fine Uh, as you step outside uh, you just see this car pull away it's a it's a cab uh, that is pulling off into the distance it's sort of getting off the main drag and onto the uh, highway out of town and Kepler's one it's cab. It's one cab, and several feet from the entrance to the store, there's like this little uh, grassy sort of cutout in the sidewalk where a tree is growing in the middle of the town. There's a few of them sort of uh, peppered across the main drag, sort of uh, giving the, the the downtown area of Kepler a bit of a bit of greenery. Um, but in this little small patch of grass, you see a shape glistening in the moonlight. It is a It is a sword. It is a long, straight, thin blade with a a leather-bound hilt and this intricately forged guard that appears to be in the shape of a mouth. And Minerva suddenly, like, disappears and reappears right behind the blade and gestures towards it, and she says, I know your hesitance, Duck Newton. You have voiced it clearly, and I would not deign to ignore it, but you have been chosen, Duck, and that is a decision that cannot be reversed. I would ask of you this, take up the blade, take up your fated instrument, and if you do not feel the call to pursue your destiny, I shall take my leave until you have grown to accept the tasks appointed to you. Um, well, I am, of course, honored.
1: Uh, uh, I mean, I'll keep the sword, that seems pretty kick-ass, but I don't know what I'm supposed to, um, you want me to go kill the rest of the the McLeod clan? Then um I'll I'll be the only one remember like there can only be one of us have you seen that movie there could be only one I mean you know I have not seen any of your Earth I haven't, I haven't seen it either it's like a sword guy I don't know it seemed kind of dumb to me but uh I'll keep the sword hell yeah I pick it I pick it up okay look at me so 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 how does it feel. Uh, pretty kick-ass, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna go, like, what, stab Dracula or <laughs> whatever the fuck, <laughs>
0: but it's all right. But you could. You have the power to stab, you said Dracula? Minerva, instruct this beef
1: boy to unhand me, please. <laughs> How does Duck feel about that? He's shocked, grabs, th- drops it on the ground, like, what the fuck? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Another
0: skilled combatant. This is the offer I have for you. You're going to be able to uh, swing down with enough force to to cut the chain and uh, free Indrid. And you're going to be able to do it because you got the drop on this goat man. Uh, your Your movement is so swift, you're going to be able to do it. The price to pay is... Beacon will be damaged, um, not broken. I won't give you. I won't take that from you. Um, but there will be there will be some damage to the blade. You're swinging metal down onto hard metal, and you can you can get through it. But the durability of Beacon will be worn down a little bit. Is this a choice that I'm having to make? Are yep. you making me make this choice? Uh, I am making you make this choice.
1: I think it's what I would have done. Yeah. That's what I would do.
0: You swing the blade down, and there is certainly some resistance uh, as you chop uh, the chain, sort of against these these hard roots. Um, But you get through it, and the goat man sort of looks up at you in surprise, and you're definitely going to have to deal with that soon. Uh, Indrid sort of instinctively, uh, this one does not talk and say pizza. Uh, Indrid sort of instinctively like tries to roll out of the way, Uh, and.
1: Okay, in that moment, Mm -hmm. I need one more. I get one more (laughs) action. Okay. When the goat man turns around and looks at me, I rear back my fist, Mm -hmm. and I
0: punch injured in the face. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to make you roll for that. Why? Okay. To knock his glasses off. Oh, okay. You punch injured in the face, and he says, Duck, what are you- and then he he becomes the Mothman, and I think seeing this, a lot of things just happen in front of this Goatman uh, very quickly, and he he starts to uh, crab walk backwards away just for a moment until he sort of uh, composes himself. Uh, so now you have put some distance between you and the Goatman.
1: Fly, uh, Inred, fly!
0: <laughs> Inred gets to his uh, feet and he grabs you by the shoulders and he says, "Duck, duck! I my visions. There's a hole." in the ground there's a a a large hole in the ground in the middle of kepler and buildings have fallen into it i see cars i see twisted wreckage no listen listen we
1: don't have a lot of time i've i've seen it too i know it fucking sucks i saw in a dream and i thought it was just that anxiety dreams or whatever but i now i apparently was a prophecy i get it this one i've seen too and i swear to god injured we're not gonna let it happen he nods and flies away Also, I took care of Keith, and you don't need to worry about it. I'll call you.
0: (laughs) He gives a thumbs up. Goodbye. (laughs) I'm I'm
1: I'm free.
0: (laughs) As he flies away, you pull Beacon out of the roots where he's kind of been embedded. And as you do so, you realize that where the chain sort of connected with the blade, there is a, a pretty good, there's a pretty good like divot in the side of, of the blade. It has been uh, sort of dented, dented inward and uh, looks kind of rough around that spot.
1: That's just wonderful, Doc. What a, what a wonderful battle scar this is. And, and using me to my true purpose, Beacon, Breaker of Chains. Beacon, The Emancipator, as I have always <laughs> been known. Wonderful. This is exactly how I would want to go,
2: Doc. You know me so well. Uh, Ned. Ned is gonna do something which will seem a little weird okay. in the context, but I just think it's information we need. And Ned's gonna investigate a mystery. Okay. And?
0: Roll plus sharp. That's very bad. Mm, you did a bad job, Dad. Uh, Ned rolled a five. Uh there is poor no. There is no uh, recovering from that. Oh, take... I get it, Justin. I'm going to take a hard move here. The hard move is that the goat man that is embedded in the uh, roots of the tree, I will call him Shear's goat man, starts to move and he sort of wrestles with these roots that are all over him and he pulls himself out of the roots in the tree. As he emerges from the tree, you realize that he has merged with this white bark. It is it is growing out of him now. It is almost, it is forming around his spine like a brace. Uh, you, You get the impression that this thing probably like broke its back when Aubrey flung him against a tree and now the tree has healed him in a way by giving him this like external uh, chitin made of this uh, white bark, but it has like corrupted him in a way. It's sticking out in this like huge gnarled lump that extends like just over his head uh, and his eyes are clear white uh, and he picks up his shears uh, and starts walking towards you, Ned. Uh, Aubrey.
1: Well, I'm going to... So we've got a goat man on duck a goat man on Ned, the- You're easy breezy
0: beautiful, you got nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling great. The nail gun is- Jammed. Jammed. Yeah, this easy fight is going extremely good, it seems like.
1: Yeah, Um. has Ned dropped the nail gun? Ned, do you still have the nail gun? I yeah, still have the nail gun. I'm going to combat magic blast Force. Okay. The uh the goat man approaching Ned. Okay. The uh the, the half. Duck wood. doctor took care of himself.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, you good.
1: know what? I fucked up that goat before
0: with this, and I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Hug in. Alright, uh, roll to kick some ass. That is a ten. Ten. That is a big ten. On a ten plus. Uh, you get to choose an extra effect and uh, you, you both deal damage to each other, but you can also gain the advantage, take plus one forward or give plus one forward to another hunter, inflict terrible harm, plus one harm, you suffer less harm, minus one harm, or you force them where you want them. I'm gonna force them where I want them. Okay. Knock
1: it backwards.
0: Okay. And that is three harm total. Okay, uh, you knock them backwards, and this hard shell around its back sort of collides with the tree again, only this time he does not, you know, crumple instantly. He is definitely damaged, and you actually see, uh, like, just a split in his skin, and this white sap just kind of starts pouring out of him. Uh, And actually, as he hits the tree, you all see more bark, uh, and not just bark, but, like, actual, like chunks of wood from the trunk uh start falling off around where the nail hit the tree it is and 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 as it does so i think it loses like a lot of branches Uh, a lot of the branches where this nail went in just sort of fall to the ground harmlessly uh and then he stands up and he takes the shears and he snaps them in half and now just has sort of two blades and he flings one at you aubrey um okay. and you take you take two harm uh as this thing cuts into you well i ignore one thanks to my cool vest yeah then it definitely it does not like cut into you uh the vest definitely uh protects you a bit but it kind of uh as it as it makes its way harmlessly over your shoulder uh i think it, it sort of cuts across your neck a little bit and you get a sort of superficial um, uh one one harm so go ahead and mark that and once uh
1: once you know he's knocked out of the way, Aubrey says to Ned like get the nail gun working
0: yeah uh duck yeah, what do you do uh you're definitely still engaged with shovel goat man uh he saying that the Mothman flew flew off uh has picked up his shovel and is a he is a threat uh there is still the half wood goat man uh, who definitely looks like bigger and nastier than shovel goat man does. Uh, he has just been knocked into the tree, and then you have the tree itself, which has started to uh, continue to rot around where this nail has stabbed into it. And then you have this like flurry of uh, like spores that are sort of swirling around the tree that Aubrey made.
1: Hey, listen, partner. Um, I have this sword. His name is Beacon. Uh, and I could use him to chop your head off, but I'd really rather not do that because. One of y'all is, is a pal of mine, and I'm having a hard time just sort of, like, ending you. So it would be great if you would just put down your shovel and go live a new life somewhere and get a job. As I'm saying, and I know it sounds ridiculous, I'm probably going to need to punch you in the face. Okay. You know what? Uh,
0: my, yeah, I'm. let me just punch you in the face. <laughs> okay. Uh, go ahead to roll and kick some ass. Am I...
1: Am I acting on my Rita situation?
0: I don't think so. Not not for this action, right? Like it, you yeah. don't really have anything on him. <laughs> that is a fucking eleven. Yeah. Uh, All right. you were just punching him with your fist. Um, yeah. I really, I oh, man, I'd love to just use
1: beacon on these guys. I'm having a really hard time of it. I don't okay. like. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to me that like one of them would be chill. Sure. And I'd be uh, friends. With someone and the point. Other ones I saw someone point I'd bisect. Like it just feels weird. I saw someone point out on Twitter, and like I love this. That like basically the difference between the pine guard. And like the Bureau of Balance, <laughs> it's like when we were at the Bureau of Balance, it's like we'll murder everyone. Yeah, sure. And this
0: time it's like, well, this person's actively attacking us, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think it's just what? I think it's just one harm that you do, but you get to choose an extra effect, which is gain- doesn't Beacon have a flat? Isn't
2: there a flat to the blade?
0: I mean, there is now that he fucked it up on the chains. You get to gain the advantage, plus one forward, give one to another hunter, and terrible harm, less harm, or force him where you want him.
1: Uh, I'm gonna force him where I want him. I, I would like to use that advantage to, and tell me if this jives with your sort of, to disarm him.
0: Um, I don't think so, man. I, I, I feel like you are sort of, I it feels like a lot to accomplish just with one thing, right? To just completely neutralize him just by punching him. Like you can-
1: I, I, You know what, I'll just like knock him, knock him to
0: the ground. And okay. hopefully I can like, knock him out on a tree stump or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know that that happens. What, what happens first is because he has sort of range on you. If you're coming in with a fist and he's got a shovel, um, this thing is done fucking around. brought a around. fist to a shovel fight. You brought a fist to a shovel fight. This thing is, <laughs> this thing is done messing around. Uh, it is, you know, big and very strong. It rears this shovel up and just brings it right down on your skull. Uh, and you take three harm, uh, as this Ooh, thing tries damn. to just bash your fucking head in. Uh, and... You sort of you ignore too. You get yes, you do ignore too.
1: That's not <laughs> uh,
0: uh You sort of shake it off though, and punch him. And as you punch him, he does fall backwards and uh, lands on the roots at the base of the tree. Uh, Ned, Ned's going to uh, act under pressure to unjam the nail gun. Uh, okay.
1: With his nail gun repairing experience.
0: Yeah, I mean it is pressure. It there's pressure here. You got a big tree. You got two nasty goatmen, and you're trying to do this in kind of a fake snowstorm. So go ahead and roll okay. uh plus cool. Oh my god, Shit. that is
1: that's a five. Have you leveled up recently, Dad? Because you just oh rolled, yeah yeah you just to, rolled a five.
0: Yeah, mark experience for all your failed rolls here. Uh I just I just wait a minute.
2: I have something I want to try. Okay. Okay. Um, Rerolling. Is it going back in time? (laughs) No. Uh, Ned has a thing called Artifact, where he quote unquote found a magical artifact and it's a lucky charm for him. I want to use luck. (gasps) Oh, okay. Okay. Fair.
0: Okay. Uh, I know what happens here. This is great. You are picking nervously at the nail gun, just tinkering with it. Your hands are, are shaking. They are cold. You are trying to make out the mechanisms of this nail gun in the middle of this this maelstrom uh, of the spores coming out of the tree. Uh, and through those spores, you, you look up as you hear the crunching of snow moving closer and closer to you. Uh, and you see a figure charging at you uh, through, through the storm. And you look back down at the nail gun, trying to fidget with it, and then back up at the figure as it gets closer. Closer and closer. Ned, you flash back to like a pretty innocuous day uh, several years ago. We don't. We haven't really established what the timeline is, uh, but it is after you know the day of the crash and sort of your uh, escape, your your whistle stop tour of. Uh, East Coast destinations moving southbound until you arrived in Kepler and met uh, Victoria, the proprietor of the Cryptonomica uh, who basically gave you a job and gave you room and board and you've been there Uh, for for several months, um, and we haven't really explored too much this time of your life. But like, how has life living in Kryptonomica and you know getting your your uh you know feet below you in Kepler like, what does that look like? How have you been like helping Victoria out around the museum?
2: Well, for Ned, it's been kind of boring. Um, this this, he's kind of had this sedentary life, you know. Doing little things around, as little as possible, to be honest with you. Dusting, you know, and and he's not really into this shit. It's just not that interesting to yeah. him. He's just kind of hiding out and and he misses the the thrills. Not really realizing that by, you know, adapting to this life is, is what's going to
0: keep him from ever getting back to that life. Um, can we explore like the you you mentioned that like it is kind of boring here and you have been like living out of the cryptonomica and working there um, and I I it's got to be different from the cryptonomica as it is under the Ned Chicane brand right like there it is definitely more sensational now than it was back then back then it was a fairly you know authentic monster museum
2: well, and not even all, so much of a monster museum as it was really. It was almost like a very scientific approach. You know, it didn't really claim that things were right. real. You know what I mean? It just was like more of an investigative. It was much more um, believable. It was. I mean, it was much more realistic. And it was here are the stories from this area, almost like a storytelling. It wasn't really so
0: much of a sensational history. but it was also like dead like i i think back then if because oh, it because it was very good. straightforward like nobody was coming to it and so what i really like is like the nature of your relationship with victoria who just like likes your company she was super lonely and she's kind of outcast in this town so she just you know likes having a friend like likes having someone be around i think there's like this push and pull with you during the the months that you lived there where you maybe because of your you know inherent showmanship try to add a little oh, bit of, it comes up with add some spice it, it, to it
2: you ought to, ought to really yeah how about what, you you need displays how about things that look like a, a sasquatch? Or, you know models all you've got are like printouts of of stories and yeah the Bigfoot picture's good but how cool would it be if you got an artist to draw? like a uh, a fully blown you know fine portrait of of bigfoot and 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 just things like that take some some of this junk and jazz it up make it look like it's real stuff like maybe that really is a a scale from the loch ness monster and it, it could be just a big
0: salmon scale or something but
2: that that's what you need you got to get traffic you got to get people
0: in the door that is what the scene is then for sure you and victoria are in the cryptonomica you have hired somebody to uh paint this this big portrait of of bigfoot and uh he he comes in the door you hear the bell above the door ring uh and it's uh a kid named kirby uh, who comes in and uh, sets his paints down in front of this big canvas that you have set up for him uh, and walks over to the RC Cola vending machine, gets one out, cracks it open, starts drinking and starts painting as, as you and Victoria kind of just like clean up around the store. I may have called her mama earlier, which may have been a, a slip of the tongue, but uh you all are sort of just cleaning up the store and watching Kirby do his work. Uh as uh she she looks over sort of your projects and looks at the store and kind of like takes stock of how much it's changed. Um and she says um uh hey there Ned, can I talk to you outside for a minute? Uh, certainly, Victoria. Certainly,
2: certainly. Um Carry on, young man, with your artistic endeavors.
0: Well, thanks, sir. I'll try not to let you down. Uh, and he uh, he keeps at his work. And you all. And
2: and how about a how about a
0: coaster under that RC? A, he says, please? "Oh my God, I'm so sorry." And he he, yeah. he reaches into his bag and pulls out like a a CD uh, jewel case and sets his drink down on top of it. Uh, right. You go outside with Victoria. It's like a nice uh, fall day. The the leaves have just started to change and. Uh, you know, are falling in droves, which makes you realize like you're going to have to rake very soon. But you try to put that unpleasant thought out of your mind as you and Victoria talk, and she says, "Ned, I I gotta say, I know I was hesitant at first about some of the changes you s- suggested, but I think you've brought life into this store in a way I was I was never able to. I just I just I I just want to say thank you. Oh no, Vicky, I, I owe you this. You you. You took me in. You
2: you gave me a place to 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 live, and you gave me your, your your friendship. And no, I the ledger is is very much still in your favor. I I owe you, and um, I mean, yeah, it's been yeah boring as shit, but you know, I, I've I've you know, I I have appreciated your your kindness. Yeah, it came at a time when I really needed a friend and uh, and I'm glad it was you. She says,
0: "Yeah, I know life in Kepler ain't the most glamorous lifestyle to to live. It's probably certainly not as exciting as uh some of your earlier days." Uh, it makes Hooterville look like Paris, yeah, to be honest with she, you. She she laughs and she says, "But I I got to say like you know, I en- I enjoy your company as insincere as your company seems sometimes, but li- l- listen, what what I wanted to talk to you about, what we haven't really talked about much is you know what the what the cryptonomica is all about i'm i'm just i'm curious and i want i want the truth for once from you ned are you are you a believer Um, no no
2: not really victoria i i i think it's interesting and 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 everything but i'm i am not a man of faith i don't really believe in too much except for myself i i you know i'm i it, i find it interesting i think it's fun to contemplate it's fun to think about
0: but i'm i am not convinced well you put on a good act and you can tell she looks kind of disappointed uh she says i don't i don't blame you though you know most well don't 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 get me wrong I believe in the cryptonomica. I believe that it serves a purpose. I
2: think it's I think it's fun. I think it's it's expansive to make people think outside, you know, the 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 world that they know. It I believe
0: in the cryptonomica. I just don't believe in all the crap we've got in it. She says, "I guess that's something." It does it does serve a purpose. Nat. I'm glad you I'm glad you get that. It's 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 a, it's a serious world we live in. Ned, full of serious problems, real real problems, and you know, folks are just engineered to fight for solutions to those problems, and it's that's it's a fight worth fighting. I don't mean to minimize that, but it's just this world is so much bigger and so much more more mystifying than most folks are, you know, willing to give it credit for, and and that's why <laughs> that's why we have trouble growing our business here, Ned. That's why folks and Kepler don't really. Like the Kryptonomica, that's why City Hall'd be happy to shut us down. We're a, you know, we're a thorn in their philosophical side. This this place voices the inconvenient position that there's more to this life than the troubles we conjure up for each other, and that that's why this place is important. That's why I think it's important. I'm I'm, I'm glad it sounds like we're on the same page about that. Well. Don't take
2: my demeaning manner as as any implication that I don't believe it's important. I I do believe it's important. I think it's a wonderful place, and I think it does something good. But, but Victoria, you don't really believe in eight foot hairy big feet and men looking like
0: moths, and you you really. I mean, you don't really believe in that stuff, do you? <laughs> she uh leans against sort of the the um the railing of the of the porch out in front of the kryptonomica and just kind of looks out at the leaves as they're uh changing and, you know, dancing around in the wind and she says I believe in strange things, Ned <laughs> And she starts coughing and really hard. And you've you've seen these these fits. A lot in the months that you've been living with Victoria, and they are, they are getting worse very quickly. This 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 one is a, a particularly difficult one, and she kind of like stumbles backwards and, and sits in a rocking chair out out in front of the porch and tries to tries to collect herself. Did you ever
2: go see Doctor Nanny about that cough?
0: She smiles and she says, "Ned, I've been seeing doctors about this cough for." Longer than I've let on. She says, a wanted criminal breaks into a dying woman's home and she gives him room and board and hopes against hope that he'll turn out better than he was when he slipped in through the window. And she's the only one in town who'd give him that chance and it just so happened that hers was the place that he burgled. I don't know how you don't believe in the strangeness of things knowing that.
2: Victoria, I believe that there's there's things that happen in the world. I I don't I I don't know if it's luck or fortune or or whatever. But I do believe that there was something involved in bringing me to you and bringing me to this place. I I have no idea what that force is or why that happened, but I'll give you that much. I believe that there is such a thing as good fortune
0: because I am fortunate enough to be your friend. She looks up at you and smiles, and you can tell that she has tears welling in her eyes that she you know, quickly tries to fight off. And she says, I think you were brought here for a reason too, Ned, and that's, that is why I am gonna leave the Kryptonomica to you when i am gone um I, I already made up my mind about that nothing you can do to change it and i won't be here you can do with it what you like but i would hope i would ask that you just keep kepler as curious as you can And then something super lucky happens. You hear something moving around in the brush, and you hear like this noise, like, and it's getting louder and louder. And right when this goat man's about to collide with you, you see the jetpack you see the fly master that has been sort of blasting around Kepler for the last two days since you lost it following your stunt it flies into the clearing and just collides with the goatman uh, knocking him off of his feet uh, and uh, out of this path of collision towards you uh, and finally gives up the ghost and just kind of lands uh, at your feet finally finally dormant as you get that nail slid out of the gun and get it functioning again
1: I'm proud of you son. <laughs>
2: Good boy, son. Ned looks over at Aubrey and tosses the gun in her direction. Yes, gun. Uh, give and 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 listen, Aubrey. Copper
1: conducts heat. I'm no. I promise, duck. I'm not fire. I'm not saying fire. No, he's looking. I can't do it right now, Ned.
0: Come on. Uh, Okay, Aubrey, you have the gun. Okay. Again, there is this like storm all around the tree. Uh, that is uh, whipping up a frenzy that makes it kind of hard to shoot out of that range. You can still do it, but I will, I will, it, you will be at a disadvantage.
1: I I'm gonna get up close to it then, like right up on's. Yeah. Okay. And so you said the tree was kind of splitting, right? Uh, yeah, for spray sure. Spray up the things she's going to shoot a line of nails following that line all the
0: way down to the base of the tree. Uh, Okay, I like that. Uh, If if you're doing that and you're trying to like do this sort of precise motion in the middle of the storm, I'm not going to make you roll to kick some ass because the tree has no like direct way of hurting you. The tree has no ass. Uh, Uh But it is, uh, tree doesn't have ass also. Thank you, Justin. Uh, So go ahead and act under pressure.
1: Is that cool? See, I'm using Duck's experience as a forest ranger there. Yeah, sure. Trees don't have ass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Uh, Aubrey got a six on your roll. You could, if somebody can help you out to give you a plus one to bring it up to a mixed success or you can drop a luck point to pull this off for sure. Could you not say that Ned tossing her the gun was helping out? Um, Yeah, I think you could say that. You do still need to roll for it, right? We we apparently
1: burned all our good rolls on like Getting Ryan Gosling movies to appear on Netflix. <laughs> or
0: uh, yeah, uh, Ned, uh, Ned, roll uh, to. So we'll say,
1: like, Ned tosses the thing and then, like, turns up the pressure on the compressor. And that's Ned.
0: Well, he it. does need to still roll. So it's a, a possibility yeah. that he didn't turn up the pressure. He turned it way down. And the nails just fall out impotently from the end of the gun, which I love that visual. It's not really going to move the chains. though. Beep,
1: beep, beep, beep. Uh,
0: okay, Ned, roll to help out. That is plus cool. It's maybe our first help out roll which is very exciting. That's an eight. Eight. Uh, on a seven and nine, your help grants them plus one to their role, but you also expose yourself to trouble or danger. Okay. Uh, so this brings it up to a seven for you, Aubrey, which makes it a mixed success. Describe, describe this scene of you like approaching the storm and trying to like just empty a clip into this uh, tree with like almost zero visibility.
1: So I'm going to say she gets like Real close. Like, right up on it, you know? And, like, then just, like, basically
0: draws a line straight down. Like, pap, 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 okay. pap, pap. I like, I like the visual of you, like, taking a, a deep breath and trying to, like, really nail this one. No, God, we gotta <laughs> stop fucking saying that. Uh, you, you take a deep breath and try to center yourself and gain your composure in the middle of this just, like, furious storm. And you raise the gun and... Aubrey, you have this moment where you, you, you remember, uh, a very, very powerful memory. And it was the moment that you sort of first realized that you wanted to be a magician. Uh, and I, we haven't really talked about that. And I'm curious, like what inspired that, uh, to sort of set up what, what, whatever this scene is going to be. I don't really know what it's going to be. Uh, What was sort of Aubrey's uh, inspiration for wanting to get into magic? Was there a certain magician that she idolized? Was there a show that she saw that like changed the course of her life?
1: So, I mean, I guess it probably would mirror my own, but we're not really the same age. So like timeline wise, this wouldn't be the same thing, but there was a magic special that I remember watching as a kid that was like filmed at the magic castle. And it had, like, Lance Burton and a bunch of people in it. But one of the scenes, it was, uh, and I wish I could remember the name of the performer, but she is, like, doing this magic act where she's, like, dancing with a mannequin. And she is manipulating the mannequin's arms and stuff to do tricks. And it's, like, both really fun and very impressive. And I think that that kind of, like, more of, like, a performance art like character building kind of thing really appealed you know Aubrey is a theater kid yeah sure and I think more than just the like sleight of hand like watch me do a magic trick more of like I'm gonna build a scene and make the show the show and the magic facilitates that very very uh, like I'm also gonna say because this is true of me as well Houdini is a big inspiration for that of like it's not just the trick. The trick isn't the thing. Yeah. The thing is the show.
0: Okay, uh, then why don't we do this? Like you, you saw that special. It really spoke to you as like this really cool, you know, new mode of performance. Uh, and so you know the usual stuff. Maybe like you, you buy the books. You watch some. You get the special uh, VHS videos that that teach you the tips of the masters, uh, and sort of start practicing your magic. Maybe the scene is just like you. Performing for your parents like doing a doing your first like private magic show to show off what you have learned from these like books that they have uh you know bought you and given you as gifts and stuff like that is that cool with you definitely okay uh what what's what's this look like you were performing for your parents what kind of tricks are you uh what kind of basic say, stuff were you were you doing I'm
1: probably like ten years old okay you know like the cup and ball. Maybe like the big finale is like a, you know, a handcuff escape. Um, probably doing, you know, the like, uh, oh, roll up some newspaper and I pour the water in. Well, where'd the water go? That kind of thing. Okay. Um, not, not necessarily easy stuff, but like pretty basic magic. But she's trying to do a lot of like stagecraft with it too.
0: Yeah. That's always so been her like, jam.
1: Yeah. This, uh, this newspaper I've saved. For 50 years, this was the newspaper that came out, and remember, she's 10, when... Kennedy was shot, and that wasn't 50 <laughs> years ago. You know, she just doesn't, she doesn't know dates. Okay. And like, she, she's doing a lot of that, like, oh, these cups were salvaged from King Tut's tomb, and you know, this this pitcher of water once belonged to Julius
0: Caesar, a lot of that comes. Along to Julia Roberts. Why don't you- Julia Roberts, you,
1: over 50 years ago! Because
0: this is not like magic magic, why don't you roll to act under pressure as you are, that's right, I'm going to make you, you are pressured as your parents are watching you, scoring you, judging you. With Listen, we've all been there. Um, That's- God hey. knows. When dad watches me do a podcast, sure. it's terrifying. I got an eight. All right, mixed success. Uh, we'll say that you are doing... Give me one of the tricks. Uh, may, you- I, may I make a suggestion? Sure. I think mom is impressed and dad is not. I think so too. But what is? Actually, no. That seems mean. I don't want to characterize your, the the dad like that. Uh, obviously, you guys had like beef in that oh, one scene you you're doing, know, but I, it's still like a loving, supporting environment.
1: The mixed success is like everything goes well,
0: but I can't get the handcuff trick to work. So it's the handcuff trick is like the the big finale, and everything else has yeah. been going fairly well. And as and I you,
1: branded them as like these these handcuffs belong to Houdini himself. Uh, Even though they
0: bought them for me at the store. Sure, and as you do the things that you, you know, have practiced so many times, like you were very excited to finally show off your skills, uh, you pull your wrists apart, and they are still securely fastened inside the handcuffs, and you try and try again, but you are just trapped uh, in them during the middle of your show.
1: Uh, Hold on, give me a second. Hold on.
0: Um. Okay, and then to
1: okay, um, and that is all part, of, all part of the show. Uh oh, how will I? Um, hold on, hold on.
0: Do you? Damn it! Do you need help? And don't cuss. No, I can, I can do. I've done. I know what I'm doing. Uh, they sit there patiently, but you can tell that they're like worried about you. Uh, and and finally, your your dad comes over and is like, "All right, let 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 me just." See what happened here. I don't want you to hurt yourself. And uh, he starts sort of tinkering with the the handcuffs and uh, gets them gets them off of you. Um, and your mom can kind of tell that you're disappointed, and she says, Aubrey, the show was was wonderful. You'll you'll get the handcuff trick down. Don't 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 be upset." Uh, it didn't work. I know, but you you haven't been doing this for, for very long, baby. It's it's listen you. you you don't need to be perfect at this. People are going to love you. To- yeah, but Houdini was performing when he was like a little kid and, and and he was People still had to practice. Houdini still had to practice, Aubrey. Listen, people are going to love you when you're doing these shows no matter, you know, what you choose to do. But magicians are responsible for delighting and surprising people and you you delight and surprise us every day. No, nobody expects you to be perfect at this, Aubrey, right right from the start. You you have time to learn. And then suddenly like the memory shifts, and it's not your mom in front of you anymore telling you these things. It's it's Janelle. And you are in sort of Janelle's office in Sylvain, and she's she's poured you and herself a, a cup of strong hot tea. Um, and she's seated at a table with you, si- sipping this tea with you. And she's more formally dressed than you've ever seen her. She's in this like black, uh, you know, n- nice ensemble. Uh, she's not using her, she's not wearing her usual like colorful scarves. In fact, she has one like draped around your shoulders. Um, something she she put there to sort of warm you up and bring you comfort. And she says, you'll have time to learn. I, I know this is difficult to believe, but you you do. The surviving remnants of this world have unreasonable expectations for you, true. Sylvain will express her needs when she is ready and I trust you to listen intently for her. You have time to learn to listen, but but you do not need to bear that weight today. But you don't know that. You don't know how much time I have.
1: No one does. I'm not, I, I have to go out there and fight monsters and scary things and not just that there's real danger in the world i mean there's
0: accidents and plane crashes and house fires she talks like right over you almost like she can't hear the words that you're saying and she she places a hand on your cheek and you realize that you've been like sobbing as as she's been talking to you and she says today it is okay to take care of yourself and to allow others to take care of you and and to mourn. And that's when you realize she is dressed the way that she's dressed because you just came from your father's funeral. And then you realize this is not your memory at all. This is the memory of Alexandra, the newly christened audience to divinity and interpreter of Sylvain. Oh, shit. sure enough you uh launch a line of nails uh following sort of the path of the the main split in the center of the tree uh and as you do so sure enough the bark and wood all around this line it just sort of it doesn't sort of fall off like it did for for ned's one nail it just sort of explodes and as it does so, the tree just completely splits in half. Uh, the two halves just bend away from each other. As they do so, the the force of this, like, explosion and the chunks of wood, like, coming off the tree, uh, they launch into you, Aubrey, for two harm. Ned, one of the, the boughs of the tree, just falls and conks you on the head for two harm. Um... Uh, One of the halves of the tree, as it falls, it falls right on top of the goat man that Duck knocked to the roots and just crushes it into the roots. And he lets out one last loud bleat and gives up the ghost. As the, like the dust settles from this this big explosion that happens. You all see something in the center of these two halves uh, just still sticking out of the trunk. And it is tethered to the two halves of the tree that have been split apart. Uh, it is connected to it by these long strands of this white sap. You see this humanoid form that appears to just be made out of this white sap it is it is uh reaching upwards and like it is holding on to these long strands and trying to like pull the tree uh back together uh and doesn't seem to be paying much mind to you all it is just trying to sort of put put together what you all have uh have destroyed duck you are up
1: yeah hey i y'all i know it ain't copper but i'm, I'm gonna give it a shot and i'm gonna uh kick kick some ass just kick Now can I kick ass? Yeah. Now does this thing have an ass?
0: Yeah, this thing for sure has an ass. It has
1: manifested an ass. I'm gonna kick that ass with Beacon. Mm -hmm. All right. Kick that sap ass.
0: Yes, this is more like
1: it. (laughs) Excellent. Let's go.
0: Nine. And we're back. That is a nine. Uh, Okay, you and the tree are going to deal harm to each other. Um, What that means for the tree, I'm going to leave... A little bit abstract. What do you do to the tree with Beacon? How are you? How are you sort of dispatching it?
1: I how big how big of a trunk are we talking?
0: Uh, I mean, the the trunk has been like split down to the ground. The like humanoid creature sticking out of it. It's about I mean, it's about your size. All
1: right, so here's how I do. Uh, I'm worried about the edge of Beacon
0: being uh, being
1: damaged, so I uncoil Beacon and I oh it just hit my mic my mic stand. Oh, I thought that was a foley thing. That was fucking awesome, dude. All right, leave that in and pretend I did it on purpose. So I uncoil Beacon and I whip it around the thing and just yank as hard as I can. I'm just trying to like saw it, saw it in half. The human. Oh
0: God. It grabs onto your wrist as you wrap Beacon around it and like leans in close to you, like bringing its face right to yours. As you rip Beacon outwards and cut this thing in half at the torso. And its upper half just goes flying through the air and lands on the ground and disintegrates. And behind the, the form that you just cut in half, you see that half wood goat charging at you. And right as you dispatch the the sap being at the center of this tree, the whites of its eyes just go dark. And the sap that was pouring out of it just instantly comes to a stop and the goat just dies while running. It dies on its feet and it falls over. And with that, there is one last sort of exhalation of spores. Uh, and then they all just fall down right on, on top of all of you as Aubrey's whirlwind uh, finally dies down. And the, the stump at your feet starts to rot in fast motion, leaking out this sap that's just evaporating before your eyes. And as the stump disappears, there's an object left sitting on the ground. It's a seed a large opalescent pod with tufts of soft fibers reaching upward from its crown. And and there's a quiet for, for a moment as, you know, the wind dies down and the, the spores stop shooting out of this tree. And in that moment, this time you all see it. You all see these humanoid figures of, of white light, these four-armed... Beings that are just about your size. One of them climbs out of the the trunk of the tree, um, as as if he was just hiding in there the the whole time. And another one climbs out of the the half wood goats corpse and the other one sort of prides itself out from uh, under the fallen tree from the, the corpse of the the goat that has been uh, crushed there. Uh, And as they all sort of stand up and look at each other, uh, all, all three of those things, the trees and the two goat men just start just disintegrating into these just black flakes that uh, float up and into the air, like embers from, uh, from a campfire. and, one by one these these three humanoid beings made out of this light just look at all of you and just solemnly bow and very very quickly after that they all disintegrate into these just little beads of white light that float up and off into the distance Hey everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your Dungeon Master, your big big boy and your best friend. Thank you so much for listening to episode 19 of the Adventure Zone Amnesty. Uh, Sorry that it is late. There are a couple reasons for that. One, we recorded for like two and a half hours and then immediately went on tour, so I just didn't didn't have the time required to make this episode what we wanted it to be. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons that we were so busy and I couldn't really finish post production on it is because we were working on a new website. It's uh, family or Macroy.family if you want to type in less letters and this is kind of like our new our new hub for all of our shit uh we are not leaving maximum fun um in fact nothing is really like moving from where it lives now we're just sort of all collecting it on this website uh we have been sort of branching out and doing more and more stuff and lots of different stuff that uh, was kind of scattered hither and yon. So uh, we decided this would be the best place to do it. We uh, teamed up with Vox, who uh, helped, helped us set up the website using their chorus platform. It looks so good. We are so happy with how it looks. Uh, and hopefully, it will be a more sort of cohesive way to find the stuff that we do moving forward. Again, it is the McElroy dot family, um, and so that's going to be the best place to find any of the stuff that we do moving forward. Uh, if you could, please think about tweeting about the show using the The Zonecast hashtag. Uh, we really do appreciate you spreading the word about the show. We are going to do a new lunar interlude and some, you know, a new arc coming up soon. Um, so that's a good time for us to like introduce new characters and also just like. Like, you spreading the word about the show really helps us out a ton. We have an aura frame here at our house,
1: and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as they get home from doing something fun... Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis MacRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis Macroy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer In case you've been wondering, what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that? Go to bit.ly/macroynewsletter, and of course, check out all of the merch over at Macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff: or sticker pack, um, Naming of the Year poster. Uh, we've got the Little Sailor Man pin, and ten percent of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, Macroymerch.com.
0: And now back to the show. I should announce, I believe this is the last episode of The Adventure Zone that we are going to be doing Jumbotrons on. Uh, If you listen to My Brother, My Brother, and Me, you already heard us talk about it there. But um, basically, uh, demand had so wildly outstripped supply that the, the process of... Uh, You know, doling out the Jumbotrons and making sure that people got spots on the show who wanted them had turned into a real pain point for a pain point. Listen to me. I've had a website for like fucking 12 hours and now I'm a big businessman. But yeah, it sucked. It sucked for everybody involved. It was... Uh, more disappointing than it was delightful, uh, and so we are going to stop doing jumbotrons. Uh, you know, added added benefit, it'll keep the ad spot a little bit shorter. Um, but yeah, it's been a like a cool way to uh, you know connect with the audience and um, help help people you know get some get some some footing on the show. But uh, we have lots of ways to to get in touch with y'all now, and so uh, no more jumbotrons. Except for these two last Jumbotrons. This one's for Maisie, and it's from Chris, who says, Chris, it's been almost four years since you got me to listen to The Adventure Zone. You were so scared I'd judge you for listening to a D&D podcast. Luckily for you, I was already a huge RPG nerd. Thanks for introducing me to these wonderful brothers and for sharing our lives together ever since. I love you, Sweet Pea. There's a good message in in that message, and it is that, you know... Tell your friends about the show, because you never know who is secretly really into, you know, orcs and swords and axes and sorcerers. Got another message here, and it's for Lil Nam and everyone else Tinder. And it's from Sarah, who says, Happy Valentine's Day. Yowza! We couldn't one-up the hoodies, so we're letting these boys affectionately call you out. Your perceptiveness and thoughtfulness shines through in all aspects of life, from your academics to your friendships. We're both honored to have you as our friend, occasional DM, and overall, our good omen. Tenderly, Lily and Sarah. What an appropriate final <laughs> jumbotrod for the Adventure Zone. One that is ten months late. Ten months? Ten months late as the crow flies. Holy shit. So uh, thank you to uh, thank you to Lil Nam and everyone else, Tinder and Sarah, for helping us just wrap things up in a very sort of tonally appropriate way. Uh, Some quick programming notes. Uh, Obviously, we were a week late for this episode, so the next episode will be out in one week. Uh, And the next episode that's going to come out will be our live Candle Nights Spectacular that we recorded here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I do not want to, like talk a big game but it might be my favorite episode we've ever done live it was uh, it was an absolute delight we all walked off stage just like beaming at uh, at the, the wild shit that we got up to in this episode I'm very very excited for you to hear it it's a very great thing to just gather around the Yule log with the fam and listen to so that is going to be up next Thursday and then the week of Christmas we will be taking off uh, so next week we'll have a new episode it'll be our live Candle Nights episode and then we will be back in January with new episodes of Amnesty. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's about it. Again, our stuff is at McElroy.Family. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast that we have on Maximum Fun, who has been a, a kind supporter of ours and beloved partner of ours for a long time now, uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org. they got lots of great shows there, like uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself. Oh, and uh, the JV Club with Janet Varney just got added to Maximum Fun. It is a fucking great show, and I'm so excited that we have uh, Janet Varney's, like, amazing podcast that i love on our network uh again that is at maximumfund.org, and we have other stuff at mcelroy.family we have a mailing list uh that's at bit.ly slash mcelroy mail if you want to get directly to your inbox all the updates and stuff and i think that's it uh, we'll be back next thursday with the candle nights live show and then more episodes in january so we will talk to you then bye Aubrey, you all have made your way uh, out of the woods and you are looking over the the cliffside outside of Amnesty Lodge with sort of the assembled lodge crew. And from your position, you can see something strange. It's what you all are kind of gawking at. Uh, Just below you, you have a great vantage point on it, looking down on Riverside from from atop the cliff. uh, There is... A massive sinkhole just off Main Street. Um, you can see it so well. It is. It has consumed uh, what looks like a parking garage. Uh, one that was. Uh, it, it appears empty. You don't see any cars in it. It was. You know, late when this happened. Just at a cursory glance, it doesn't seem like. Um, anything too horrible happened. But this this sinkhole, it seemed like it was expanding and just kind of stopped a dozen or so feet away from St. Francis Medical Center. Um, If it had continued to grow, it would have been you know, disastrous for the, uh, dozens of, of people inside that building at the time. And there are, you know, emergency response vehicles. Uh, you see, you know, flashing lights all around the sinkhole as they, uh, as, as rescue teams go through and just make sure that everything is okay. But the scene seems pretty calm. So you assume that things are okay. Uh, but you see agent Stern come like running down the path from Amnesty Lodge, um, he has changed out of his pajamas and back into his suit and long peacoat. And he, uh, he's like still fastening his watch around his wrist as he approaches and he clears his throat and says, I'm going to head down and see if there's anything I can do to help. I will. I'll be back late if you wouldn't mind leaving the lobby unlocked for me. Uh, and he we will leave a light on for you. He nods and bolts down the access road towards town. Um, and you all are just sort of standing there looking at this sinkhole out of town. I, I imagine you've already sort of debriefed with mama and, you know, given her the the good news. Um but everybody's here. Everybody's sort of looking down on this 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 thing that has happened and Danny uh standing right next to you. She's got um uh she's got Dr. Harris Bonker sort of positioned on her shoulder parrot style. She looks at you and she says The um the abominations they're 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 getting stronger, aren't they?
1: Yeah. This, this
0: one was, this one was different. She looks, she, I mean, she looks scared, um, and she- Hey, but, but,
1: I mean, look at it this way. We're getting stronger, too. I mean, like, I'm getting better at magic, and, like, Duck actually, like, chose to kill something, um, <laughs> and, like, Ned is at least
0: 5% less of a coward, so, like, huh? Huh? Uh, she gives like a faint smile, but you can tell she's she, she is it did not bring her much relief and she she reaches over as you two are like looking down over uh, the the devastation below and takes hold of your hand. Uh, and as she does so, Dr. Harris Bonkers kind of uh, rouses and clambers over to your shoulder kind of uh, you know clumsily and uh, nuzzles into your hair. Um, hey, buddy. And just then, flakes start falling from the sky. And I think you have, like, a moment. I think everybody has a moment of, like, panic. But then as one lands on your nose, you realize with with relief, it's it's real snow. This gentle, quiet, windless snow has begun to fall in Kepler. This nice, peaceful moment is interrupted as uh, Mama joins the party overlooking the, the chaos below. And she puts a hand on your not-rabbit-occupied shoulder. And she says, can I... Uh, Can I have a word with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, And you walk with her back towards Amnesty Lodge and towards the cellar door. She says, we still need to have a talk about the abomination that you all have adopted and its whereabouts, but before all that, you want to tell me what Thacker's doing locked in the panic room? Oh, God, it's a whole thing, Mama. Like, you
1: know, the tree makes bad things happen, released made a pin drop, the net dropped or whatever. He got out and we tricked him into the panic room. We have a lot to talk about.
0: She says, "Yeah, I was I admit I was not the most plugged in this hunt, but listen, tomorrow you and, and the gang are going to need to try and get him sealed up in the kitchen again. He needs to he needs to eat, Aubrey. He's still a, you know, a person under all that stuff." Well, speaking of I've been doing a
1: lot of research. That uh, you know, studying and doing the books and everything and talking with Janelle and I'd like to try to help him. How do you mean? Well, I wouldn't say I'm mastering it but I'm getting a better grip on magic and I think if we can figure out like the right way to ask and like, I don't know, this might be bigger than the kind of thing I've done before but I was able to like heal Keith that's a whole thing I'll tell you about too. If we can do some kind of like, big psychological healing maybe,
0: maybe we could bring him back. She smiles, like the thought of her friend being, uh, you know, exercised in this way has never really crossed her mind as a possibility, and she smiles, and uh, it's the first time you've seen her smile since like, you told her that you all brought an abomination into, into her home, and she says, I, I would be thrilled to help you out with that in any way I can. For right now, though, and she reaches up to the the railing of the uh, porch and uh, pulls down a plate that she had set up there with some food, and she says, if you could get this to him somehow, maybe just open up the door, slide it in real quick, and get out. If he sees me, he's going to freak out, and I just want to make sure he doesn't, you know, starve to death before we can apparently rescue him.
1: Yeah, you... Sure, why not? Uh, and, and Mama, when that's done, and Aubrey kind of touches her sunglasses,
0: there's something else I need to talk to you about, okay? She she nods and opens up the cellar door for you. Um, And you approach the panic room. I think as we set up before, there's not like a window inside, there's just like a monitor. Um, And as you step into the room, Thacker is not like in the position that you've kind of seen in this like meditative... Uh, sitting sitting on the floor, just kind of like staring intently down at the ground. He is standing up and he is looking directly up and into the camera. And you see him on the monitor, just like staring, just like he's like looking right at you from behind the door. What do you do? Is there any way to talk like into the room? Is there like a calm system? Yeah, I think so. There's a, we'll say there's like a speaker on the door, like a two way speaker.
1: So there she, is. Pushes, she pushes the button and she's like, hey. Um, I've got some food here but you need to be chill like a nine on a scale of one to 10 of chill and then you can have some food and then I'm gonna close the door back and it would be super cool if you didn't like jump at me
0: or anything like that. You uh, release the button after saying this and he doesn't move. You see him still standing staring into the camera and then you hear a voice. And it doesn't seem like it's coming from the speaker. You just hear it, and this voice says, "Why am I kept here? Why am I being kept here?
1: Thacker? Thacker is the name of this one.
0: He, he is an, an unintentional,
2: unintentional host. host.
1: Who? Who are you then?"
2: At
0: this moment, we seem to be Thacker,
2: But that is
0: not who we are supposed to be. What have we done wrong?
1: Oh man, where to start? Um, uh, are you from Sylvain?
0: Sylvain can no longer sustain the life that transcends surface. We are the counterweight that aims to bring the planet back into balance. Will you release us?
1: Oh boy. You know, I think that, that I don't have clearance to make that decision, you know? <laughs> I'm just gonna put this sandwich in there real quick and then I'm gonna get to work on your request. Um, You help me help you and please don't attack me when I open this door. Are you opening the door? You know what? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. I'm All gonna
0: right. go fucking get mama. <laughs> Uh, okay, you turn to walk away, and you hear this voice say, Please release us.
2: Sylvain has
0: become all those living on her surface would seek to shatter her body entirely in pursuit of their own survival. Please release us. By impeding us, you hasten the arrival of Sylvain's
1: end. Wait. Sylvain's
0: end? Does this have to do with the crystal and the magic and stuff? With that, I think realizing that you're just not going to release it, you see Thacker on the camera take a a big step backwards and sit down on the ground and slowly angle his head back downwards to stare at the floor. Ned, you have had an eventful few days, I think. Uh, I think the hunt has been like... Particularly taxing for you, yes? Uh, you three, lost your three car. Three harm. Uh, yeah, you lost your car. You ended up in the hospital at one point. You, uh, you know, unintentionally antagonized the sheriff. Uh, things were challenging. Your adrenaline was going, but now things have, like, slowed down. And I have a question. How does Ned feel about what he realized about Aubrey, that it, that it was that it was her home that he robbed that night the 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 night of the of the crash
2: i think from the moment that he was in the unconscious state and heard what aubrey had to say and kind of figure out what was going on i think he has felt very uncomfortable around aubrey okay i think he has there was a lot of guilt involved with that night anyway sure but ned whether he's fooling himself or not puts a lot of the blame on Boyd Mosh, his partner okay. that night because sure. I mean in his long career, Ned never hurt anybody in the jobs he pulled, not physically harmed anybody and took yeah, by that. Took a lot of pride in that. And I think he fancied himself as a almost like a Robin Hood. I that that's how he f- saw himself. And I think the violence that came about that night and the unfortunate things, the death and the fire and everything else. I think he really lays at Boyd's feet, but the guilt has really come crashing back on him
0: uh, quite a bit. I'm just curious how you feel about like doing anything about this guilt or is, are you going to sort of, you know, maybe it's appropriate for character and this is not a slam. It's just like how he has been developed. Like is Ned just not going to uh, confront it?
2: No, I think he, I think he has to. I, I think if, if, Every time he and Duck and Aubrey go out, I think they have become closer. I think they've become more of a a unit. He realizes that in order for that to continue, he's got, he's got to open up. He's got to tell he's got to tell her about it. And okay. I think he decided his life is better cooperating with and working with Aubrey and Duck. Sure. Then you know the life on his own, and that was one of the. I think that was one of the things that Victoria brought to him too—not just the Kryptonomicon, but to show that he could have people in his life that he could count on.
0: Then here, here's here's the scene. You are uh, returning to the Kryptonomica. You're in the snowcat. Uh, you you pull it into you know the fairly small, humble parking lot uh, of the Kryptonomica, and as you do so, you actually see that the. Um, the wreckage of your Lincoln Continental has finally been uh, like separated from the funicular and towed back in front of your place of business. Uh, you, you, you see it illuminated by the headlights of your, your snow cat. Uh, the, the store is is, uh, you know, dark. Uh, the, it has closed up shop hours ago um, and you get out and approach the museum uh, and go to open the door and as you place your hand you know on the handle and start to put the keys inside i think you because of who you are and the past that you have you notice something off the door frame around the deadbolt is cracked and splintered and through the 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 gap that has been made there you can see that the deadbolt is already unlocked what do you do
2: very cautiously i think he calls upon his burglar instincts his his sneaky instincts and opens the door just wide enough to slip through okay because there's no lights outside cuz he turned the headlights off so it's not like he would be illuminated in the door and he steps into the cryptonomica very surreptitiously and just really strains his ears to try to to hear and and try to look there's a small a little bit of light from some of the you know, displays and stuff, but not very much.
0: Okay. Uh, You slip into like the main room of the cryptonomica and you find that it looks fine. It looks, you know, exactly how Kirby usually leaves it when he wraps up one of his night shifts. Uh, It looks looks nice and dusted and mopped and cleaned. Uh, You actually see behind like the front counter of the museum, uh, you see Billy back there uh, and he's sleeping in a cot. Almost like Kirby like tucked him in back there and he Aww. is he is fast asleep and just ripping the gnarliest snores you've ever like heard because he is he is still a goat. And yeah, everything looks fine, but except on the counter, uh towards the the back of the room, uh, where there are sort of like these displays full of pamphlets, sitting on that counter are three padlocks that are all popped open. Uh and as you get closer to them, and you know carefully creep over and look at them, uh, you can tell that they are the locks that were threaded through the latches on the door into the inner sanctum.
2: He goes sprinting back to the inner sanctum.
0: You open up the door, and it 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 was a clean job, Ned, by which I mean like the room itself is clean. Uh, it looks like it did probably the day it was built. Um, there are no signs of intrusion, no debris scattered all across the ground. Uh, the room has just simply been emptied. Uh, everything in here your, y- y- you know, trophies of your burglaries, your passports and documents, uh, the, the small safe containing Aubrey's necklace, among other things, it is all just gone. Clooney's Oscar? All gone. Ah! Fuck me
2: running.
0: And there is a light bulb hanging overhead that is illuminating this room, and it is shining down on the only item still remaining in this room. It is a note uh, written on the back of a Cryptonomica postcard uh, that is sort of folded up and laying on the floor. And uh, as this light is sort of like swinging over it, you see that it reads, For my cut plus interest, not quite even yet. I'll be in touch. B Duck, you're back in your apartment and you're you you had just sort of started to peel off your uh, your thick layers of winter wear uh, and sheathed beacon wherever you keep him. So sort of now having time to survey the damage done to him. Uh, and, and you're sort of decompressing like that when Minerva appears in front of you. And she says, another successful hunt. I, I take it. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Benny. I appreciate it. I don't love that name, but you have you have exceeded my, my lofty expectations for you.
1: Yeah, I did I fucked up kinda. I fucked up Beacon a little bit. I feel kinda lousy about it. May I see? Uh yeah,
0: sure. I go to the underwear drawer and get Beacon out. Uh she surveys the damage to the blade and she sighs and says, Well, I, su- I suppose it can't be helped. I'm sure he will still serve you well. It seems like he's he still has uh some lethal capabilities. Um Duck Newton I I know you are tired but I have something I need to say to you and it cannot wait a moment longer. All right. Uh she gestures towards like one of the chairs in your in your living room. Uh take a seat. She says, "Duck Newton, I am a murderer." And as she says that, you you see her silhouette kind of like deflate a bit, almost as if she's like relieved from finally saying what she said. Uh, And she says, I told you earlier that my world, like yours, was tethered to an alien planet, besieged by abominations from the other side. Mm -hmm. This was only part of the truth. I was the war counselor for my people. I, I pushed us into a conflict with that alien world. Our steel and fighting prowess crashed against their insectoid chitin and hive mind coordination, and there were losses, incalculable losses, on both sides, but ultimately, our world lost the war. They left us with just a handful of survivors. And so I forced the last great minds of our civilization to create a weapon that could defeat our foe for good, a disease. Lethal to our enemy, innocuous to ourselves, I delivered the payload myself, Duck Newton, and I watched as every living being on that planet. I'm the only survivor of both worlds now, and so I sought out the reason for our shared fate, and in doing so found Earth and Sylvain, and and you, like other chosen before you, were selected to keep your people safe. That is just part of your destiny, Duck. Your true destiny is to not follow in my footsteps. Damn, Minerva, that's
1: a lot to dump on a guy. I've had kind of a full day already without starting to process your genocide. Um,
0: There's more, I have to tell you, unfortunately. Damn, more than genocide, Minerva? Shit. She says, I told you this now because my concerns about losing your trust, of damaging our relationship, In a few moments, it's not going to matter anymore. Your power, Duck Newton, it stems from your connection with me and my world. That includes your power of foresight. Surely you saw it, Duck. What you saw in your vision, the meteor.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It was never coming to Earth. It was coming for me. My, my world was prepared once for this contingency. I will go to ground and try, as I always have, to survive, but the mechanism through which I am able to speak with you, it will be annihilated. What? This will be our last conversation, Duck Newton. I I beg of you. Remember my world.
1: Now, nah, nah, hold on. There's gotta be something.
0: Um... Keep your world safe. Keep Sylvain safe. Continue your training. It will be harder after our link is severed but you, you mustn't lose faith
1: Minerva why now like why Why when I finally decide to do something about this destiny and the powers and all this garbage now now I'm gonna lose it all now I'm gonna just be some dipshit with a sword a, bro, a, a fucked up sword
0: she looks to the side uh, and like cranes her neck upward like she's looking out a window and she says I'm sorry Duck Newton I know
1: God, now, you know, fuck me. I'm sorry. I'm being really self-interested right now. You got a meteor headed towards your house. Just get safe and take care of yourself and, and try to be okay, all right? I'll be fine here. I'll buy a gun
0: or something. Jesus. She crosses one of her arms across her chest and gives you a, a, a bow, a, a deep bow, and then she stands up and takes one last look at you and pivots to the side one more time, and she says, it's time to Stop hiding. You need to finish what I started. Go to him. Go to who? And she turns back to you, and she says, Duck Newton, my pupil, my friend, I was not talking to you. And she disappears. And then there's a knock at the door to your apartment. I go to the door and open it. You see framed in the snow that is blanketing Kepler as Twilight approaches a figure standing at your doorstep. You see that he's wearing a pea coat and some beat up fingerless wool gloves, one of which is wrapped around the hilt of a long broad sword that he's leaning against as you open up the door. And your eyes adjust to the light more and you see the face of the person holding this blade. Leo Turkesian, your neighbor and friendly local grocer, clears his throat and says, So uh, we should probably talk.
2: MaximumFun.org
0: Comedy and culture Artist owned
2: Listener supported
0: Hey, it's Janet Varney of the JV Club podcast And I am so excited to be joining Maximum Fun If you're not yet familiar with the JV Club It's a podcast with me and some of my favorite women And in the summer, men As we explore the highs and lows of our terrible teenage years Into our adult lessons For example, hear about Alison Breeze's humiliating moment At a gymnastics competition Experience the shame of a knocked-out tooth with Jamila Jamil, or drop in as John Ham imagines what would happen if Bambi met Godzilla. So join me and all my once awkward, often still awkward friends every Thursday by subscribing to the JV Club on MaximumFun.org. org. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we ma- we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. (laughs) We talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time, Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? (laughs) One time, Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes, and it just really blew my hair back. (laughs) So check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. (laughs) They will now.